Thanks so much for joining us on Cranford Radio. My name is Bernie Wagonblast. Well, it is President's Day weekend. And in honor of President's Day weekend, we're going to be talking about a little bit of Cranford history. And we're going to focus on presidents, either pre-presidential, post-presidential, or during their term, of presidents who visited Cranford over the years. I'm joined by Vic Barry. He's from the Cranford Historical Society. We're sitting in the Hanson House. Vic, welcome to Cranford Radio. Thank you, Bernie. As I said, it's President's Day weekend. Presidents have had some history in Cranford. We've never had a president that lived in Cranford, but although we have had a governor that lived in Cranford, uh, Governor Christie, his first house was on Elm Street in Cranford. So we have had a a governor, at least, that has lived here, but uh, never a president. So we're going to talk about, I guess there are at least four presidents that we know of who have visited Cranford at some point in their lives. Why don't we start off with the first president to visit Cranford? Appreciate the opportunity. And when you and I discussed this, we both agreed that there were visits by four presidents altogether that were, you know, you could document them from newspapers. And then a reputed fifth while governor of New Jersey, but we never were able to find any substantiation. So let me talk about the first visits. And they were on two successive days in May of 1912, and they were visits during the campaigns of incumbent President William Howard Taft and former president and third-party candidate Teddy Roosevelt. And they would speak on two successive days, May 24th and 25th. Now, before getting into their visit, I'd like to talk a little bit about the two men and the presidential campaign of 1912. Starting with Teddy Roosevelt, who I find one of the most interesting presidents we've had. Teddy was born in 1858 to a well-to-do family in New York. He was sickly as a child, suffered from asthma, and would spend his entire life engaging in rigorous outdoor activities trying to cure that asthma. He loved zoology and even took up taxidermy and had a, quote, zoo in the Roosevelt Mansion where he displayed his works. After graduating Harvard, he went on to law school and then entered New York politics. Shortly after entering politics, he married, and unfortunately, his first wife died in childbirth in 1884. Two days later, his mother, who he was very close to and who lived in apartments on the other side of the building that Teddy and his wife lived in, died. Teddy was absolutely distraught. He put his new baby daughter into the custody of his older sister, Barney, and left for the Dakota Territories to try his hand at cattle ranching. He did that in 1884. He wasn't uh, a stranger to the territories because the year before he had gone there to hunt. Now, if you, like me, as a North Jersey kid, spent a lot of time in the Museum of Natural History in New York, you probably know that a number of the animals in those dioramas were actually shot by Teddy Roosevelt. Well, anyway, Teddy gets out there to the Dakotas, and it was the Dakota Territories. It didn't become two states uh, until a few years, and started ranching. The local cowboys just saw him as an effete Easterner, but gradually they learned that there was much more to him. They saw him struggle the same struggles they did as he uh, grew his herds and cared for them. 
and they came to grudgingly accept them. And that's interesting because those same cowboys would come and play a key role in his life later during the Spanish-American War. Unfortunately, in the, the winter of 1886, was severely cold. Roosevelt, like many ranchers there, lost the herds to the coal. He returned east to become assistant secretary of the Navy, probably because in 1882 he had written, written a very well-regarded book about naval tactics during the War of 1812. He stayed in that position until the outbreak of the Spanish-American War in 1898, when he resigned that position and with his own efforts and funds raised, trained, equipped, and transported to Cuba a private army of rough riders who were those very cowboys that he had uh, respected so much. He led them up the famous charge of San Juan Hill, which made him a national hero. He came back to the United States and was elected governor of New York, which he served from 1898 to 1900. Now, William McKinley, who had been president during Roosevelt's Spanish-American War period, picked Roosevelt to be his second-term vice presidential candidate. McKinley won, unfortunately was assassinated six months later while visiting the Pan-American Exposition in Buffalo, and Roosevelt became president. He served two terms in office from 1901 to 1909, but said he would not stand for a third term. Instead, he picked as his successor William Howard Taft, who had been his secretary of war, and Taft would win the 1909 presidential election. Taft, however, was much different from Roosevelt and ran a very conservative presidency. Roosevelt, both as governor and as president, had been a trust buster. He very much supported the rights of labor and protection of the health and welfare of women and children. And finally, unrelated to those, he started the national park system. Long story short, when the 1912 election came up, Teddy Roosevelt went to the Republican convention and threw his hat in the ring. He wasn't nominated, so he and his followers formed a third progressive party known as the Bull Moose Party. And here is where we arrive at Cranford. So on May 24th, William Howard Taft spoke to Cranford residents from the Manuel Muniz House, which was later known as the Purvis House. It stood at the corner of North Union Avenue and Alden Street, the site of today's Rogue Comics and Collectibles. The following day, Teddy Roosevelt spoke from there. Muniz was a food broker associated with Sperry and Hutchinson's of S&H Greenstamp fame and was also one of the founders of the National Rotary Movement. Anyway, the split in the Republican Party caused by Roosevelt's third-party candidacy allowed Democratic candidate and former New Jersey Governor Woodrow Wilson to win the election, capturing the electoral votes of 40 states, but only 41.8% of the popular vote. The split in the Republican Party hurt both Taft and Roosevelt's chances. Roosevelt captured 27.4% of the popular vote, Taft 23.7% for a combined 51.1% to Roosevelt's 418 and if you're wondering what happened to the remaining votes, they went to perennial socialist candidate Eugene V. Debs, who got just under 6% of the popular vote. 
Now, as we said earlier, Woodrow Wilson is understood to have visited Cranford during his short tenure as governor of New Jersey, although neither of us could find a report of it in the newspapers. I think I had seen a report, not one of the Cranford newspapers, but another newspaper, which I haven't been able to relocate (laughs) after I saw that. But there was a report that I had read about Woodrow Wilson while he was governor visiting Cranford at some point. Of course, he was originally from Virginia. He was president of Princeton University before he became governor of New Jersey. But as you mentioned, he went on to the presidency. He did indeed. And as we said, defeated both Taft and Roosevelt. So let me talk just a little bit about Woodrow Wilson, because he's an interesting character too. He was born two years before Teddy Roosevelt in Stanton, Virginia. His father was a minister and uh, religion scholar. And his moving about uh, meant that Woodrow Wilson spent his formative years mostly in Georgia and South Carolina. He's undoubtedly the best educated president we ever had. Uh, After one year at Dickinson, he uh, transferred to the College of New Jersey, which would later be Princeton University, where he received his baccalaureate degree, went on to law studies at the University of Virginia, When he became ill during his tenure there and had to withdraw, he completed his law studies on his own, successfully sat for the bar, and began the practice of law. He found he didn't like it. (laughs) So his solution was to enroll at John Hopkins for a PhD in history and political science. After graduating, he taught at a number of uh, colleges, including Bryn Mawr College, And in 1890, he was hired as a departmental chair at what was now Princeton University. Twelve years later, he was appointed president of Princeton, but he became disappointed with the failure of many of his recommendations to be adopted. So, in 1910, he left Princeton to run for governor of New Jersey. He was governor from 1911 to shortly into the year 1912, And that's the period where we believe if he did indeed visit uh, Cranford, that would have been when he did. He stepped down from the governorship in 1912, and it must have been fairly early, in order to run a successful presidential campaign, and as we said, defeating both Taft and Roosevelt. And he was our president from 1913 to 1921. During that period, he saw our entry into World War I in April of 1917, and the successful conclusion of that war in November 1918, he was a strong advocate for the League of Nations and for not levying punishing reparations on Germany, something that both England and France insisted on, and many historians think that probably led to the rise of Adolf Hitler and the Second World War. Now, on October 1919, well into his presidency, Wilson suffered a severe stroke. That information was withheld from the public for an extensive period, and the White House was actually run by Wilson's wife and his physician. Wilson wanted to run for a third term, but the uh, Democratic Party decided that he was medically and mentally unsuited to fill that role. He died in 1924, having never recovered from his stroke. His image today, unfortunately, has been tarnished by a growing public awareness that he was an overt racist. Now, the next president to visit Cranford that we're aware of kind of just 
passed through, literally. FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, these were the days before air travel and Air Force One. President Roosevelt would travel frequently between the White House in Washington, D.C., and his home in Hyde Park, New York. And from what I've read, he often did that by taking a combination of the B&O Railroad, the Reading Railroad, the Central Railroad of New Jersey, and the New York Central. And those Central Jersey trains, of course, came right through Cranford. And needless to say, when the president was traveling, it was not publicized. It was rather secret, especially during the Second World War. Uh, great. So we have a six person who may not have visited, but he at least waved at us out the window. <laughs> well, a uh, presidential visit we can document very thoroughly was Republican presidential candidate Richard M. Nixon, who was uh, vice president at that time, visit to Cranford on October 4th, 1960. And before talking about that visit, I'd just like to talk a little bit about the 1960 election, which I am old enough to have remembered. It was unique in several ways. First and foremost, it was the first time presidential candidates engaged in debates on television, and there were four of them altogether. In those television debates, the Democratic challenger, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, appeared tanned, youthful, and at ease. Vice President Richard N. Nixon, on the other hand, appeared gray, ill at ease, badly needing a shave, perspiring, and causing his pancake makeup to run. The televised debates were a debacle for the Republican candidate, who, as I said, had been President Dwight D. Eisenhower as vice president. One of the interesting things that I read was people who watched the debate on television felt that Kennedy clearly won. But those who did not see the debate on television and listened only on radio gave the edge to Nixon. So it just, again, goes to show the power of television and how you look. And I can remember watching those with my parents who were staunch Republicans and uh, thinking, yeah, this guy Kennedy is just, just cleaning his clock. Well, the other noteworthy thing about the election was that Democratic candidate Kennedy was inexperienced and a Catholic. And believe it or not, there was considerable public concern, including in my household, that as president, he would take direction from the church in Rome and not from the American people. In spite of that concern, no doubt due to his charm and ease on television, as well as the influence of his father, who is politically connected and a millionaire, Kennedy won the election, beating Nixon by 80 electoral votes, although by popular vote, he won by less than 1%. So that takes us to the Cranford visit. It occurred late in the afternoon on October 4th, 1960, while Nixon was on a campaign swing through New Jersey. He arrived a half hour late from a, a campaign speech in Elizabeth and gave a 10-minute speech to 3,000 Cranford residents in front of the Mayfair supermarket on North Avenue. And again, for those who don't remember the Mayfair supermarket, the building still exists. It's on North Avenue. It is now vacant. It originally was built, I believe, in the 1920s or the 19-teens as a garage. And one of the interesting things that you can see historically about that building, if you look at it from North Avenue, there is a beam that is exposed over the front door. 
and it says open 24 hours. And it's a reference to the garage, which that building was originally built for. It later became the second King's supermarket ever. Uh, The first one was in Summit, the Mayfair supermarket. And other things that it served as, it was an indoor golf range for a time. A medical television company had their offices there. And as we said, it's currently vacant. Nixon would make another run at the presidency, and that was in 1968. And he would defeat Democratic candidate Hubert Humphrey, who had been Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson's Vice President. Now, for those of you who aren't old enough to remember this, uh, Kennedy was assassinated in November 1963. His Vice President Lyndon Johnson took office. He inherited the war in Vietnam that some would say really had been started by Kennedy. And by 1968, it had really worn him down to the point where he said he would not stand for re-election. And said instead his vice president, Hubert Humphrey, uh, stood and was defeated narrowly by Richard Nixon. Now, Nixon's primary focus during his first term of office was on foreign affairs, And he worked very hard to reduce tensions between the U.S. and the Soviet Union and China. He signed the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty and SALT I. And finally, he created the Environmental Protection Agency. All in all, a successful first term. He stood for re-election in 1972 and soundly defeated the Democratic Peacenik candidate George McGovern in 1972. Unfortunately, Richard Nixon had a decided paranoid streak. It was rumored in the press and elsewhere that he used federal agencies to spy on political opponents and on Vietnam War peace movements. During his 1972 campaign, members of the Committee to Reelect the President, a group who called themselves the Plumbers, were caught breaking into the Democratic headquarters at the Watergate complex, and they were arrested. Nixon insisted uh, that he knew nothing about it, but White House tapes of his telephone conversations would subsequently reveal that he knew about it and had been lying to the American public. In face of almost certain impeachment, he stepped down from the presidency in August of 1974, a sad coda to his first term in office. And the most recent president that we have proof came to Cranford was Bill Clinton, who visited us both in November of 2008 and June of 2016, both visits hosted by Union County College. Bill Clinton was our president from 1993 to 2001, and I said while there is no record of his, him visiting as president, he had these two later visits to campaign for Democratic candidates. The first was on November 7, 2008, when he campaigned for New Jersey Assemblywoman Linda Stender's campaign for the 7th Congressional District against Republican Leonard Lance. The Union County Republican Chairman Phil Moran criticized the college for this. To quote him, they're holding a political event in direct violation of the written rules and regulations of the college. 2,000 people attended that rally, and apparently the college wasn't all that concerned about Phil Moran's uh, statements because in June of 2016, 
They hosted a return visit by Bill Clinton to speak in the Get Out the Vote event in support of his wife, Hillary Clinton, for her campaign as Democratic candidate for the presidency. She was President Obama's Secretary of State from 2009 to uh, 2013, and she was the first woman to be a presidential candidate for a major political party. She would lose that election to Donald Trump. And there is one other one that I'm aware of, although, again, I don't have any proof, but it's something I clearly remember when it happened. George W. Bush landed in Air Force One at Newark Airport and was going to speak at a campaign rally. I don't think for himself. I think it was for someone else. I don't recall the details at the Armory in Westfield, New Jersey. And for whatever reason, (laughs) Marine One did not fly between Newark and Westfield. And the presidential motorcade came down the Garden State Parkway. And as I understand it, all the way down to exit 135 in Clark. And that means that they passed through Cranford. So we have another undocumented visit of a president, but again, just passing through. That's great. And that's the advantage for you who have grown up in Cranford as me too as a transplant who must determine all these things by written records. Uh, So never, never, never take the historian's viewpoint over someone who was there. Just in closing, I'd like to uh, say that if you enjoyed this The Cranford Historical Society would love to have you as a member. If you visit our website, which is cranfordhistoricalsociety.org, all one word, you will find numerous histories of Cranfordites and Cranford history, which have been taken from our newsletter, which you will receive as a member. It's published five times a year and uh, has always at least one historical article in each issue. Alternately, uh, you certainly can stop by our offices at 38 Springfield Avenue. We're open Monday through Thursday, 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Or call us at 908-276-0082. We'd love to have you as a member. Vic Barry, thank you so much for spending some time with us and talking about presidents and Cranford. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Bernie.